man. I have to see if I can remember how to do this now. It feels like been it's been a long time since we podcasted. Maybe I'm just I'm just still on island time, living that island, island life. <laughs> yeah, that paradise that island life. You mean the massive continent of Africa as the island? <laughs> That's, well, we were on Zanzibar for a little bit. That's more so I was referring to. I don't think Africa is an island. It depends how you define island, really. <laughs> Isn't everything an island? <laughs> you're, next you're going to tell me Ireland is an island. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? I know. Oh, it was, it was funny because when we were in Zanzibar and, you know, you can't use the tap water because like you'll get like hep A or something. But yeah, you have to use bottled water. And for the last two nights, for some reason, we only had sparkling water. It was like we bought it by mistake. And so I was brushing my teeth with sparkling water and I had the realization that this is probably the closest to a Kardashian I'll ever feel. <laughs> uh, so what was the other thing I was going to say? Yeah, uh, we are on Spotify finally. So I want to mention that up top because we are very bad at remembering to mention things at the end. And the start. And, and the, the middle. And the start in the middle. <laughs> We're bad at podcasting in general. <laughs> oh, actually, Supermarket Love, aka Hassan, was on that trip to Africa with me. And uh, I felt terrible because I haven't thanked him for all of the work and effort he put into our theme music. I haven't thanked him in, I think, months. And so I had to go look at his adorable little face and apologize in person. And has he actually been keeping up on listening to the episodes? He has, Holding yeah. it as a grudge? Oh, okay. He has, yeah. And he, he, he he's noticed. <laughs> he's noticed. <laughs> so I'm going to put it up top this time. Thank you, Supermarket Love. You're a beautiful person. And you look good in a swimsuit. Yeah, I've seen that. Um, thanks for sending me those photos. Oh, yeah. Shh, don't tell him. He didn't know I took them. <laughs> so what are we going to talk about today, Steve? Uh, well, actually, Richie, this yeah. is your thing. This is my thing. Yeah. Yeah. So this has been a subject I've been trying to push for the longest time. But Steve wouldn't let me do it because he's a wanker. Yeah, totally. I was stomping all over your parade. No, it's, it's we want to talk about cybersecurity, which I think is incredibly interesting and it's only going to become more interesting and more relevant as time goes on. But I don't know anything about cybersecurity. I know that I want to learn about it, but I know Sweet Shag all about it. And I asked you what you knew about it and you said... Computers. <laughs> yeah, and you said computers. You, you press the buttons on the computers, but then sometimes someone else might press the buttons and that's bad. And they press the bad buttons. You know that button, button on your keyboard that has a skull and crossbones on it? Oh, yeah. Yeah, the hacker button. They press that one. Bastards. <laughs> yeah. So realizing that we know nothing about this subject, we thought we would reach out to someone who does, um, Dr. Jessica Barker. So I headed out to Gloucester, recorded a lovely interview with her, and we learned all about cybersecurity, which we are going to play now. 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 No way. No. No. Okay. <laughs> oh shit! I'm I'm pressing the skull and crossbones. Don't press it. Don't press. I don't know what that is. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, you know when your computer breaks and it goes to like the static of a 1960s television set. Oh. <laughs> uh, okay. Now. Okay, cool. Can you give me a couple of one-twos there? Sure, one, two, three, four, five, six, <laughs> seven, eight, nine, ten. Okay, well, she could definitely count Steve, so... <laughs> I'm just glad we didn't go past ten. <laughs> That's really embarrassing. <laughs> Hold on, I need to take my socks off so I can get on my toes. <laughs> Every set of notes I do before an interview, I write hello in capitals at the top, because I, I think I have to this fear yeah, that I'm just going to start with, like, an interrogation. That's what I used to do with conference talks. Really? Yeah, I would have notes, uh, which I don't bother with anymore, mm. but I would always write like hello and mm -hmm. thank you at the start like just <laughs> you never in case you never know 
your mind thank you Richie fixed. we always forget we always forget you. thank you we just like jump off at the end you're gonna see I'm gonna run out of here. here and I'm not gonna I'm not gonna do anything I have made my contribution there we go I can just go home there's my top tip say thank you <laughs> exactly exactly uh but you're Dr. Jessica Barker just for people yes. who haven't read the the title on the podcast just yeah. yet uh cybersecurity expert yeah expert is that <laughs> Don't worry, it's me saying it. You know? it's yeah, so yeah. loaded. Uh, but yeah, you're, you're you're a consultant. You yes. um you run Cyber.uk. Yep. You're a founder of the uh, Redacted Firm. Exactly. It's a new venture of yours. Mm-hmm. And also, from what I've noticed, whenever there's any sort of big cybersecurity thing, like there's a leak, there's some sort of breach, uh-huh. or something's been compromised somewhere. Everyone goes to you. This seems like the BBC and Sky News, they're always calling you up. So They, they do. Yeah. I'm not behind like, the breaches. That's not... <laughs> oh, that's it's not, not like... Me. You're the common denominator in all this. Yeah. Oh, I think we cracked it. I think we did. Okay. Get her, boys. That's the thing. Yeah. yeah there's, like, there's somewhere, there's like an investigation room with lots of red twine going between newspaper clippings and they all go back to a picture of your face. But oh, do you, do you As get- much as I would kind of love that now, that's... Be good for business, I'm sure. <laughs> it is always a tricky thing with cybersecurity. Yeah. Like success in our industry is doing yourself out of a job. Right, oh, yeah. Which would be great. I genuinely would love to have to look for other work because right. we solved this problem. Yeah. But, um, You're not like giving people advice and just leaving it in a little loophole so you'll <laughs> no. be back the next year. Genuinely, no, no, genuinely not. Yeah. Um, I would I would love for us to solve it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, even though it would mean that I'd have to, like, I don't know, bake bread or something is that what you do you go you go be a baker uh, maybe maybe yeah. yeah that would be nice it's, i don't know if people would pay me <laughs> to, do that. To, to bake your bread <laughs> but i could try you could try, could try. so yeah we're, you could probably infer from the topic of conversation thus far we're here to talk about cybersecurity and all the issues therein so before we get too deep into cybersecurity and what it means i was wondering if you could just give us a very kind of broad strokes definition of what cybersecurity means because i know a lot of people out there probably just their knowledge goes as far as the antivirus software that's always popping up in the bottom right hand corner and yep. that's kind of their definition because yep. once upon a time that was mine um but like what what, what does it entail what's their broader sure. reaching so the kind of the dictionary definition is to prevent computers or computer systems from attack so that's what the dictionary says it is mm-hmm. Of course, there's kind of this disagreement in, a, in the <laughs> cybersecurity industry as to what, you know, what we're actually doing. I would define it really broadly and I would say it is more technically it's it's information security. Um, but that doesn't sound as exciting as mm. cybersecurity. It's not as sexy, is it's it? It's not as sexy. <laughs> You're not imagining like ones and zeros exactly. just flying by. Um, but it's basically protecting information from being compromised, lost, stolen, damaged, uh-huh. used in ways that the you wouldn't intend it to be used. That A lot of that involves digital stuff. So mm-hmm. this is why we've got cyber and why mm. it's such big headlines. Um, so a lot of it involves computers, phones, you know, digital storage. Um, but I would also say it involves voice and paper and any way in which information is created, shared, stored. Right. That for me is cybersecurity mm-hmm. um, because we now live in an information age and information is often being used against us. Right. Okay. That's good. That's very interesting. <laughs> and uh, so why why should we care so much about it? Like why should we do this podcast? Like, why, why are we talking about it? Like you have a whole career built around this whole topic. Like, why is it so important? I believe it's so important because the way we use information has changed so much and the, the way we use technology as well. So the pace of change, if we think about the last couple of decades, if we think about how quickly the internet has grown and how 
integrated it now is in our lives. Mm-hmm. Um, we all rely on being connected so much more than we did, obviously, a few decades ago. And um, that connectivity is brilliant. Mm-hmm. It, it leads to things like this podcast. Oh, I know. The uh, pinnacle <laughs> of human achievement in the, in the information space. <laughs> so true. Uh, <laughs> But it does. It leads to lots of great things mm-hmm. and it, it enables our lives in so many ways. Um, but it also makes us more vulnerable. The more mm-hmm. connected we are, the more we're sharing the information, the more vulnerable we are to that information being compromised or stolen or you know used for malicious purposes. Mm-hmm. And so this matters on an individual level because we see individuals being scammed, you know, losing money, um, having their personal details stolen, mm-hmm. that kind of thing. Um, but also it matters on a business level organizations Mm -hmm. increasingly coming under attack and then we can take it up to the like economic Mm -hmm. and societal level where we can see that it's bad for the economy because there's so much um trade done on the internet it's bad for the economy um if the internet is not secured and also it's bad just on a social level Mm -hmm. it causes disruption distrust um you know when cyber attacks are carried out against against nations Mm -hmm. Yeah, and that's really where we where we want to focus in on is the, is the is that top tier level stuff, um, the the nations being compromised, mm-hmm. like governments, how they how they play in this space. Yes, uh, one because it's super dramatic and sexy, like we <laughs> talked about, but two, it's also more in line with the 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 goal of this podcast sure. is to talk and learn about this stuff. So we talked about the basic principles of cybersecurity, but how do on the individual level, but then how do they? Do those principles then translate to that higher like government level? Yeah. Are the same basic principles in place or are we talking about this whole other ball game? Sure. So if we're going to get down like to the actual principles of cybersecurity, then it comes down to what's known as CIA, which is not kind of not the CIA, CIA. <laughs> a different kind of CIA, mm-hmm. um, but it's confidentiality. Oh. <laughs> Sorry to disappoint. Um, <laughs> confidentiality, integrity, availability. Okay. They are the very fundamental core principles of cybersecurity. So, this matters as much to a government as it does to an individual. It is about how you keep your information confidential, so how you stop it getting in the hands of people you don't want it to. Mm-hmm. Integrity, how you make sure your information has not been tampered with, obviously fundamental to how a government um, carries out its business. Mm-hmm. And then availability, having that information to hand when you need it. So again, if you're trying to run a country, then making sure you have the information you need is, is quite vital. But, yeah. If we look, for example, at, at the WannaCry, um, attack, which was earlier this year, mm-hmm. one of the organisations caught up in that attack was the NHS. Mm-hmm. And um, what that did was it was ransomware, which basically means that a lot of information was locked down and held to ransom. Um, and if you think about the NHS trying to operate without access to information, so looking at the A of CIA, then that yeah. becomes really difficult. So yeah. 4,000 people didn't have operations, didn't have um, the treatment that they needed at yeah. the time they needed it because of WannaCry. Yeah, that's, uh, that's yeah, it's, it's so important hearing stuff like that because when you think about cybersecurity, like yeah. that word cyber just puts it into that ones and zero mm-hmm. space, that like very intangible, hard to kind of yes. quantify. But then when you hear a number like 4,000 people, yeah. mothers, fathers, kids who didn't get surgery that mm-hmm. they, you know, probably really needed, then it becomes a way more real, real sure. thing. And, and I do think, we see a lot yeah. of that kind of stuff happening? We're seeing more and more. Um, I think that is why WannaCry really hit the headlines because it affected a service that means so much to people. This mm-hmm. was people's health. You know, this wasn't just like something intangible. Like you say, this wasn't just information. Mm-hmm. Um, it showed people actually how much we rely on information. Um, so I, 
And we're seeing more and more of those kind of attacks, you know, hitting city councils, hitting businesses, whether they're small or big, and also individuals as well. Mm. And of course, when we think about kind of cyber war, when we think about the <gasps> dum dum dum, <laughs> like the big, you know, the big yeah. heavy stuff, um, kind of that we're talking about today, we've seen a lot more of that hitting the headlines over the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. So cyber war's been going on, obviously, as long as we've had the internet. But um, over the last couple of years with the US election, with the French election, we have seen much greater prominence in the discussion of cyber war, which is interesting. And so moving on then to cyber war, what are like the weapons in cyber war? Like how is this battle in quotes? Sorry, I don't want to be like a big dramatic person (laughs) with the blown out proportion, but what are the tools of this and and what does it look like and, and, and what? like getting into a more specific level that we might not have heard in a five minute news summary. Like, what are we talking about here? Sure. I mean, you're right. Cyber war always sounds like really dramatic Mm -hmm. and you never want to overplay the cyber threat because that happens a lot and it's unnecessary. Mm -hmm. But um, cyber war is a real thing and how it's carried out varies. We've seen attacks um, over the last kind of 15 years that have really varied, for example, from an attack on Estonia in 2007 that targeted like government websites and brought down a lot of government sites and online resources that people in Estonia needed. It targeted those over the course of a few days and it really, because at the time Estonia was kind of paperless or has always been a kind of a paperless um, government, it caused a lot of disruption. Mm-hmm. So that was a an act of cyber war, according to the sources. Um, it was at a time that Estonia was in conflict with Russia. So That's an interesting example. Mm -hmm. Another interesting example would be Stuxnet, um, which was an attack on Iran's nuclear enrichment facilities. Very targeted attack that um, was targeted at the centrifuges that spin. I know, nuclear (laughs) enrichment. Wow, it's a big word. Um, But essentially what we can understand is there was state activity targeted at Iran's nuclear enrichment. It put the nuclear um, processing facilities of Iran back by about four years. It was another example of, of cyber war. And then we can look more recently at the US election. Mm-hmm. And we know from that the FBI, the Department of Homeland Security, have published a report that very clearly says Russia, some Russian um, hacker groups targeted America, a American political party. They don't name the Democrats, <laughs> but we can put two and two together. Yeah, yeah it's not a huge leap. <laughs> it's not, is it? Yeah. Um, and they sent spear phishing emails. Right. So for people who don't know what a spear phishing email is, everyone will probably be familiar with the idea of a phishing email, mm-hmm. which is an email that looks like it comes from a trusted source. It might look like it comes from your bank or whatever. And it will say something to try and encourage you to click a link, go to a website, download an attachment, enter mm-hmm. your login details somewhere yeah. along the line. I, I nearly got phished about a year and a half ago. Mm-hmm. And I pride myself on being very savvy yeah. with this stuff, but they nearly got me. I was selling uh, a camera and a lens on eBay separately, two different items yes. not bundled together and I got an email that looked like it was from PayPal mm-hmm. had PayPal's exact branding mm-hmm. like I'm a designer by trade and I kind of noticed this stuff yeah. and had their branding had the same kind of the hate the same formatting in there that they use for like their marketing emails sure. and stuff all the branding was there and it was telling me that I needed to um transfer funds that would be put into holding until yes. like the 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 shipping number was basically not ebay's usual way of operating yes but i i, I nearly did it because mm-hmm. it looked so professional yeah like it was so, i could not get over it. this is like yeah. my first proper 
first-hand bit of experience and, and with it. And this is it. And particularly in the last couple of years, they have got much more convincing. And these emails sometimes look really sophisticated. Mm-hmm. Was that targeted to you? Like, did it use your name? Use my name, yeah. Yes. Yeah. So that is a brilliant example of spear phishing. Uh-huh. So spear phishing is more clever than mm-hmm. phishing. It's targeted at you. It will use your name. It will relate, like your one did, to something you're doing at the minute. Selling mm-hmm. something on eBay, buying a house, whatever that might be. Yeah. And... Um, so what happened with the Democrats is there were some spear phishing emails targeted at them and one set of them encouraged people to put their login credentials in somewhere. Another set of them encouraged people to click on a link. People within the Democrats did both of those things mm-hmm. and then information was accessed and leaked partly via WikiLeaks. Is it true that one of the particular spear phishing emails in the Democratic Party was actually... Um, the intern that read it first forwarded it to their yes. IT department and asked, is it okay if I open this? Yeah. And as a typo, the guy said, it is safe, but he actually meant to say unsafe. Yeah. No exactly. Way. That is true. And it's shocking, isn't it? Oh my God. Is, yeah. The intern and that IT guy, I feel so sorry for I them. Know, oh I know. I know. And that is a, beautiful example of human error yeah. which so <laughs> often is is at play here yeah. so yeah the intern sent it on to IT saying is this okay IT replied saying that is a legitimate email <laughs> they went meant to write that is not a legitimate <laughs> oh, email no. and so reportedly that was the email that, that got John Podesta to put in his credentials yeah. or the intern to put them in on John Podesta's behalf oh um, yeah so I would so we're doomed is what you're saying well, <laughs> no we're never doomed we're never doomed but we have a lot we have a lot to learn Mm -hmm. (laughs) and we have a long way to go and one of the difficulties is that you know the internet you only have to make a mistake once or an attacker only has to get you once Mm -hmm. to get you you know Mm -hmm. and if you think from an attacker point of view it's not that difficult to send out these kind of emails to use some psychological tools to get you to panic to like I want to sell my camera so I better do this thing or Mm -hmm. I'm selling a house I need to transfer money I need to do it now so I better do it yeah and that was the language they used was Mm -hmm. kind of like hey you only have yeah, you know always. what I mean. You only have this amount of time before blah blah blah. I can't remember the specifics yeah. of it, but there was there was a sense of urgency that made always. me. Yeah, yeah, they will. They, I often say like cyber criminals are better psychologists than those of us working in the cybersecurity <laughs> yeah. industry. Like they know what they're doing, yeah. and they use well-known persuasive techniques like a time pressure or. You know, they'll flatter your ego or they'll try and hey, tempt handsome. you. Yeah, kind of. Kind of. Um, you know, they'll, it will be a friendship request on right. Facebook from someone who's like, wow, well, I, I don't know them, but I'd like to know them. So <laughs> what's the worst that can happen? Um, this kind of thing. And yeah. Yeah. It works. Man. Mm. And so do we? Ha- is, are there any, going back to like the government stuff, are there any other examples of where it broke real bad or like it got it got you know it was a really really serious compromise um i'm trying to think i mean stuxnet is a really interesting example i mentioned stuxnet earlier and that's interesting because it's been attributed as the first time that a cyber weapon had physical impact um so reportedly i think at least one person died um it could have caused much 
much bigger problems. And there was a similar attack or there was an attack on um, a steel plant in Germany Mm -hmm. a few years ago. I think that was about three years ago. And um, we don't have a lot of details about what happened there. But we know that, again, that was an attack that was carried out over the Internet, but it had a physical impact. Something Mm -hmm. happened in the real world. Interestingly, at the time, there was also an attack on the PlayStation Network. And the PlayStation Network was brought offline on Christmas Day. I recall, I remember. You would remember that yeah, because everybody, I was very hurt by that. <laughs> yes, people people were hurt by yeah. it. It affected people's Christmas Day, mm-hmm. and it was all over the news. Mm-hmm. So these things, kind of news about both of them, came out at the same time. And I was asked on Sky News to talk about PlayStation, mm-hmm. and nobody was talking about what had happened in Germany <laughs> because it's like it's not something that's in everybody's home. Right, right, right. So often the big things that happen that affect a country most people don't know about. Most people haven't heard of Stuxnet, for example, yeah. um, even though it was a cyber weapon. Yeah. So what fascinated me about what we saw in America is that people were talking about it and it hit the news and people are aware to some extent that there was some kind of cyber attack right. involving the US election. Yeah, and awareness is the first step, I guess. Definitely, yeah, yeah definitely. And um, and what was also interesting about America was that it, it wasn't that kind of attack on infrastructure. It was an attack on people's minds. It was a way of disrupting what people thought about the political candidates. So it was what we call in cybersecurity, it was social engineering. Mm -hmm. It was a way of spreading information to reframe what people think and manipulate them to act in a certain way, which was to vote for a particular candidate. Yeah. You all know how that went. (laughs) Listen back to some earlier episodes, we go into details. Yes, (laughs) indeed. We've been focusing a lot on the victims here, but in terms of the attackers, Mm -hmm. who are we talking about? Like, who are the usual suspects? Sure. So there's different attack groups, and it's interesting to break them down because then you can look at their methods and their motivations. So we've talked a little bit about cyber war, and that is state-on-state activity. There is then cyber terrorism, which often is related kind of to cyber war, but this is about causing disruption for terrorist purposes. We then have cyber espionage, which is kind of spying on people. Again, that's often a tool of cyber war. And then, of course, we have cyber criminals. So this is by which I mean financially motivated cyber criminals. And so these will be organised criminal gangs that have always carried out crime, but that now carry it out on the internet because Mm -hmm. it's easier, faster, cheaper, quicker, and much less risky. And then we have hacktivists. Mm -hmm. Hacktivists are online activists, so they will carry out attacks as a way of making a point, whether that's political or ideological. So the PlayStation attack was said to be carried out by hacktivists um, who were making a point, a political point. So we have different kinds of attackers that carry out different kinds of attacks and at a different sort of level. For most people where they would experience a direct impact of cyber security or cyber insecurity, would be the kind of financially motivated cyber criminal. And uh, is it true that like it's now gotten far easier to to conduct these kind of attacks? Like there are services online that have actually yes. like have legit customer service support, <laughs> and you can go yeah. and there's a beautiful website, and you can purchase. Hey, here's like your phishing package, and here's yeah. your like that's true. Yeah. So what we saw particularly in the last year was what's known as ransomware as a service becoming available. Uh So, yeah, basically packages for sale on the dark web where you can go on and it's basically a profit share model. Uh So I can pay to have someone else, 
kind of give me the tools or whatever that I need or carry out the attack on my behalf. Um, so yeah, we have we have cyber criminals for hire. Mm -hmm. We have people on the dark web selling information yeah. um, or selling access to information. So they maybe work for an organization and they will put up for sale. Like I have this database um, of people's personal information that you can buy. Oh, um, and yeah, with ransomware is an interesting example. Because what we have seen is ransomware hugely growing in numbers. And then when you get infected, you get a ransom note. It says you have to pay X amount of Bitcoin for mm -hmm. me to decrypt your data. And then it will say, if you don't know how to trade Bitcoin, then you can call this number or go to this website oh for customer God. service. You can get like a person you, walking you someone through. Someone to help you. Yeah. Oh my God. Which is so thoughtful. Do you, is there like a rating system? Do you, like, do you get those, e like, oh, you know, your call may be recorded for training per quality per Purposes. I don't know, but if there's not yet, they're probably. I hope to never find out. Yeah, that likewise. is crazy. Yeah, so it's it shows how much this has risen. Of course. Um, and I was at a really interesting conference presentation a few days ago where a researcher had built their own ransomware, not to spread it, but just to see, like, okay, how does this actually work? Mm -hmm. um, they built their own ransomware. It took him, um, I think, in total about 24 hours. What? I know. And then he um, recited some statistics where it was like 59% of, oh no, I think it was 39% of businesses will pay the ransom and 59% of employees who have paid, have paid out of their own pocket. Because they're too embarrassed. Because they're too embarrassed. Oh, or because no. it takes too long to go through procurement. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's a, you don't want to log a ticket for that. Yeah. Hey, I done gone and fucked up real bad. <laughs> and the, this is where I mean about the psychology. Yeah. Most of the ransomware attacks, they will ask for an equivalent of a couple of hundred pounds at most mm -hmm. in Bitcoin. So it's not much money. So mm -hmm. people think, well... You know, yeah, they weigh I, up the embarrassment versus exactly. the actual yeah. out-of-pocket out cost. And they sort of think, well, you know, I, I might not get the data back, but it's a company a couple hundred quid. Yeah. I'm going to try it out. <sighs> so from a criminal perspective, that's a very good return on investment. Yeah, for mm. sure. Very, very entrepreneurial, these yeah. folks. You, Not that I'm encouraging any no. business. <laughs> it's making a lot of it? sense to me, Jessica. It's making a lot of sense. Why am I wasting all my time in podcasting or like actively losing money when I could just hop on the dark web? Because you're a good person. <laughs> yeah, that's it. And that means more. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Christ, because when I, when I think of any sort of criminal activity, mm. e even the cyber kind. I'm imagining like the equivalent of like dark rooms and dingy streets and like <laughs> shady, you know, people in trench coats. Not this like really shiny, yeah. like well-organized, well-put-together machine. Yes. And so that's how well they're doing. Mm. How well are we on the forces of good side <laughs> in, in this conflict? Like yeah. how well like are, are, are is our side similar, similarly organize like yeah. are we taking the right steps mm -hmm. or and on that like balance yes. like, which way is it tilted it's that's a good question because it's difficult to answer <laughs> <laughs> um so it's very organized on the criminal side as in there are offices set up oh where some people working don't know they're working for a scam <laughs> Seriously? yeah there have been some cases of that um so it's it's tough. Yeah. From yeah. a, from an enforcement point of view, from a protection point of view, it's tough, but we're doing, we're doing quite well, I think. Yeah. Um, 
it's hard because it's always going to be to some extent a game of like cat and mouse. It's a bit like whack-a-mole, mm-hmm. you know, so we can keep like cutting the head off and it keeps coming back. Right. But at the same time, I think we are making progress. And the way I see us making progress largely is in terms of awareness, okay. is in terms of the fact that people know this stuff happens and people are doing their best. Businesses are trying harder than they were. If I think back a few years ago, um, it was harder to convince businesses that this was important. Whereas now they know. Yeah. Um, there is still a lot of issues that come back essentially to human bias that stop people investing in cybersecurity, whether that's like time or money investment. Mm-hmm. But we have a lot of fantastic people working in the industry. The UK is, uh, is really, is doing really well mm-hmm. um, from that regard. But, um, yeah, essentially it's always going to be cat and mouse. Yeah. But then I sort of think, well, it is in the physical world. Mm-hmm. You know, we're never going to remove criminal activity from our lives. There is always going to be an element of society that prefers to be criminal than not. Mm-hmm. And so I kind of think to some extent we have to stop reaching for perfection online because right. we're never going to get that in the physical world. Right. So we just have to keep doing what we can and accept that there's always malicious people, sadly, in the world. Mm-hmm. We just have to protect ourselves against them as best we can. Okay. Well, that's all, yeah, that's all you can really hope that's to do in, in, do in anything like yeah. that. And so what does the future of this, again, I, keep, I don't want to keep thinking of words like conflict and all that stuff. I don't mm-hmm. want to over mm-hmm. it. But in terms of this dynamic, what is the future? Like, what are some new interesting technologies? Mm-hmm. What are some interesting considerations that we haven't thought about in the last, like, even you know one to five years or whatever like yeah. what, what way what's the trajectory like for this field i wish i could give the perfect answer to that <laughs> like the the advice is just never give predictions because right. then they come back to haunt you don't of course they? yeah yeah <laughs> but there are some interesting Robots. things yeah. <laughs> yeah i mean yeah. you joke but <laughs> oh god <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so predictions are always going to be based on the present and the past mm-hmm. so everybody at the minute is talking about ai and machine learning mm-hmm. and some people are talking about what that can do to protect us mm-hmm. and other people of course are talking about how the criminals are going to use it. Right. Because of course they're going to. Um, there is also a lot of discussion around the internet of things. Yeah. Um, because we are seeing more and more internet enabled devices. You know, people are buying toasters that connect to the internet and fridges and stuff like that. Yeah. Not necessarily because they even want to, but, yeah. you know, manufacturers think that's what people want. Oh, so I they mean, make even, them. yeah, like, yeah. The, like I was went to buy a TV because oh, I went to move over to London yeah. and like I couldn't buy a yes. not smart TV. Yes. Like every, t- I didn't want a smart no, TV. I know. But every TV was a smart TV. So I have a smart yeah. TV now. And it's just sitting there probably feeling very unfulfilled, yes. like, a, like a college grad with a shit job or something. But it's just sitting in the corner because it was the only option. Yeah. And a lot of people are saying this, are saying, especially when it comes to TVs. Yeah. Um, so the attack surface, to use like the cyber word, yeah. um, the attack service is growing hugely. And so we've already seen attacks that use Internet of Things devices. Um, there was a big attack last year um, that was actually targeted at kind of the infrastructure of the Internet mm-hmm. to really simplify it. Um, and that used CCTV. It used um, sort of CCTV technology um, that hadn't been properly secured. So it could be taken over and then all used in what's known as a botnet. So like this network to attack um, some servers. So we have already seen these kind of attacks happening. Likewise, we talk about um, a rise, of course, in attacks on automated vehicles. Oh, that's um, terrifying. Which is scary. And there's some scary stuff already out there. You can see researchers, for example, taking over a Jeep on the highway. um, 
cinema remotely? in America remotely. Yeah. Oh my god. So. And so this was a journalist who sort of said, can you do this to mm-hmm. some researchers? And so they remotely um, accessed his Jeep while he was driving on the highway and took it over to the point where it did get quite scary. Of course, yeah. <laughs> As you might imagine. And I'm sure we will see more of that. Um, we will see, of course, the technology becoming more secure, but attackers are good at thinking round where we have secured things and finding weak spots. So we can look at what we've got and we can look at what's coming on the horizon and see where attackers are likely to go. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's where having hackers working in cybersecurity is a really good thing right. because that hacker mindset is what we need to protect yeah. ourselves. But we also know, of course, that technology is changing really quickly and there's going to be some disruptive technology come along that we aren't expecting and that then will be manipulated for yeah. malicious purposes. I did not expect smart toasters to be a thing ever, yeah, ever, ever. I know, and smart kettles and like, yeah. Yeah, I guess what, there's actually a brilliant article, I'll link it in the show notes as to a list of all of the unnecessary smart things that have been emerging <laughs> that you have abs- absolutely no need for. Uh, yeah. There is a great uh, Twitter handle, if I can swear. Yeah. Oh, go um, for it, please. Okay. It's encouraged, if anything. Um, you should have told me that at the start. But there is a great Twitter handle called the Internet of Shit that is just like all these things that are online that is just we don't need this nobody asked for this please um but just to continue on the kind of future looking stuff the other thing is that a lot of what we will see will be attacks that have been carried out over the last 20 years because sometimes it is a simple attack that is hard to defend itself against so we still use very outdated technology and there is a reason that organizations do often it comes down to financial or just complexity of it but using outdated technology or using old technology means there will be stuff in there that can be exploited Mm -hmm. and that was an issue with WannaCry. um was using old technology that hadn't been patched that someone came along right. and, and it was just like stuff hadn't been updated in the, yeah, the but there was a, computer system yeah but there was kind of a reason for a lot of that right. it gets into very complex stuff yeah. but if you've got a device in the NHS you know it might be a scanner mm-hmm. and it runs on old software mm-hmm. and that software can't be updated because then the scanner won't work yeah yeah what do you do yeah yeah exactly do you put yeah the, the soft, you're in the, the nhs you've got other or, stuff yeah, to do you want to save lives <laughs> yeah exactly yeah. so you just think well it was, works so was the wanna cry attack the one that was foiled by a guy who kind of yeah. accidentally yeah um he was very humble and he yeah. said it was kind of by accident um but it was a researcher um called malware tech uh-huh. who does research into malware. So WannaCry hit, he was doing research into it and he worked out a way to, he worked out a link to an address and so he took over that address. And in doing so, it was essentially like a kill switch. It essentially just stopped the WannaCry virus from working. And Um, he he didn't expect that. He didn't didn't expect that that outcome. He thought doing this will be a good thing and I will be able to to maybe use it to help us. He didn't realise doing it would stop it. But yeah, phenomenal. Like it's like deactivating the bomb, accidentally cutting the red wire when you just went to pick it up and inspect it. That's fantastic. Yeah. yeah. Um, is he like rock and is he like a rock star now in the industry? Well, um, <laughs> so he was arrested by the FBI. What? Oh, seriously? <laughs> so what I don't twist. know a lot about right. um, his arrest or anything. They but very yeah. rarely arrest you for good reasons, so yeah. <laughs> you can infer. Um, so this is an interesting 
story in the industry at the minute is that yeah. um yeah he stopped wanna cry he certainly saved lives yeah. he went to vegas where you know you probably know there are big um conferences happening every year mm-hmm. he attended a conference he was in the airport waiting to come home and then in come the fbi and they arrested him Whoa. and they've alleged that he had some involvement in um i think in creating a malware some years ago and so he's currently on bail in um america oh wow Watch this space. Yeah, holy crap. We've yeah. checked back in with that guy. Is it true that the WannaCry malware was actually created by the NSA and then leaked? It was, this is where it gets a little bit complicated. Uh-huh. So, but it's an interesting example whereby um, there will be vulnerabilities in software. And what might happen is that a nation state discovers those vulnerabilities. And then in discovering those vulnerabilities, they have a choice. Either do they let people know about the vulnerabilities, as in like let the vendors know so they can patch them, or do they potentially use those vulnerabilities as part of state-on-state activities? So can they use those vulnerabilities Mm. against other states that they may wish to carry out activity against? It could be possible (laughs) that the centrifuges in Iran and North Korea are still being run on Windows XP. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. So yeah, so some people obviously criticise the NSA for... um, for having that information and for not sharing it. Mm -hmm. Um, From a nation state perspective, it's inevitable that this kind of thing is going to happen, that they're going to want to keep exploits to themselves because then they can use them in their activities. But that's not really good for the betterment of... Yeah, the whole it's not, online community it's as a whole. Not ideal. No, <laughs> not when shit like this happens. I guess. Yeah, exactly. It's yeah. not ideal. And is this a um, trend? Like with, with organizations like that, do we like do we see that a lot? Yeah, we know that there are exploits, and we've seen this sort of happen before, where nation states have kind of discovered exploits and kept the information to themselves and stuff. Mm. Um, so you then have this interesting blame hierarchy like who is to blame for something like that Mm. is it the software vendors for creating software that has bugs in it um, and not discovering and fixing those bugs is it the nsa or whichever nation state it might be or or whoever's fault for if they find it and they don't disclose Um, we often see researchers finding bugs disclosing them to the vendor and the vendor being like yeah So, yeah, we see that happen a lot. That's a very big problem um, that vendors don't take bugs seriously. Is that because like they're they're afraid of the the cost in in changing it or is this just not a big priority? They have other operation focuses. Security is really not a priority for a lot of people. So some organizations, of course, take it seriously. Others, it might be, yeah, we don't have the time, the resource to spend on fixing stuff. Mm -hmm. Really, it will come down to we're building this new shiny thing and we're focusing on that rather than fixing something else. And a lot of time people don't see the consequences of security. They'll just think, oh, yeah, well, there's that bug. but And they won't realize how it can be exploited Uh um and then it can just be institutionally you know who do you report it to Mm -hmm. a lot of organizations don't have a great like security resource that you can report bugs to Mm -hmm. and have action taken on them Mm -hmm. so it can be a whole sort of host of issues really Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah cool so taking it because we've been talking a lot about the the big picture kind of nation stuff bringing it back down to a more like personal level and Mm -hmm. getting into active steps we can take and our listeners can take um, Steve and I were wondering, but we've been making this show for about a year now and we talk about ourselves quite a bit. Not in like a, not in like a, a shitty kind of narcissistic so way. So narcissistic. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe a little. Um, but uh, 
But are we compromising ourselves or are we making ourselves more vulnerable by having this stuff? Because anyone could download this podcast. It's not a paid for thing or whatever. You can just find it and download it and it's yours. Yeah. Like, are we uh, even just like our voices? Like we were talking about Project Foco from Adobe where you feed it vocal samples and then it can recreate your voice. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like that's like, that's a very extreme end of it. But even just like talking about, like I've mentioned my girlfriend's name, am I more at risk now or is she more at risk? You know what I mean? So one thing is it's really common to start learning more about cybersecurity and to get quite paranoid. (laughs) Yeah, I've noticed. (laughs) That happens. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. I always advise people to have a healthy level of paranoia. (laughs) Just don't tip over into the unhealthy. Into the tinfoil Um, hat territory. Yeah, exactly. I would not measured the other day for mine so we'll see (laughs) yeah i would not recommend like staying up at night and panicking about this stuff Mm -hmm. but certainly if someone wanted to target you then sharing information about your life means that they have more information they can target you with Mm -hmm. so they can craft a more convincing spear phishing email for example so then you can think about stuff like okay well why would someone want to target you Mm -hmm. uh you both and it may be that they for political reasons don't like the podcast it may Maybe yeah. that they are jealous of your overwhelming success <laughs> with the podcast. That's probably the clearly. most likely one. <laughs> clearly, yeah, clearly. Don't even bother mentioning other scenarios because we nailed it. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, it may be that they want to steal your amazing smart TV, which you've now spoken about. So I know ah, you've got, got a new shit. badass TV. Um, so, you know, there's yeah. stuff like that, like to think about, well, why would someone want to target me? It may just be that they want to do it for the lols, mm-hmm. you know, which happens. They might just want to do it because they think they can. Do I think you are like a huge target that is like on somebody's wall and somebody's throwing darts at you and saying like, <laughs> I'm going to get them? I wouldn't feel like Thank you need to be God. too worried. <laughs> oh. But just be aware that in sharing information, that information can be used to manipulate you. Mm-hmm. So... It's like people sometimes ask, I do training in organizations and people will say like, should I not use social media? Mm. I use social media. Mm. I am all over Twitter. (laughs) I share stuff about my life all the time. But I know that I do that. Right. I know that working in the industry, someone may at some point want to try and compromise me. And I've thought about how they might do that. And so I'm very aware if I get an email, for example, you emailed me asking if I'd be on your podcast. Mm -hmm. If you had included a link or an attachment in that email, I would not have clicked on that link or downloaded that attachment. I just wouldn't. So I'm... I'm aware of Mm -hmm. how someone might attack me and I'm aware of the information that I share. So if I share, for example, my cat's name Mm -hmm. and someone emails me saying, you know, I've got a really cute picture of your cat. And just because they know my cat's name, I won't think, oh, well, of course, this must be my best friend. Right, right, right. Yeah. I know that I shared that with the Internet. And so anyone could could share it back. Okay. Does so that a lot make of, sense? Yeah, it does. Yeah. So a lot of it comes down to just a, an awareness sure. and s- some common sense, but then yeah. just like, like you say, that healthy bit of paranoia and yeah. not going, hey, check out this sweet new birth certificate for my kid. <laughs> exactly. <You know? laughs> or which you sometimes see, you know, like, wow, I just got my first credit card mm-hmm. and then a picture of the credit card. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you do see that on Twitter. Yeah. Um, You're not supposed to do that? <laughs> <laughs> not ideal. <laughs> so yeah, like be careful of the pictures you share and yeah. stuff like that um be careful not to share personal information mm-hmm. and then there are simple things you can do to better protect yourself which everyone should do mm-hmm. um and once you've done that then you can feel pretty happy that you've taken steps to protect yourself as much as you can online mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. do you recommend putting um uh, a sticky note over your webcam i do yeah you do? i okay. do have that i, I can show you my... my laptop now and kind of 
treating it with distrust yes yeah (laughs) because that's a thing that that, is a thing yeah Yeah, absolutely where someone can um compromise your machine without you knowing and that might be virus be a phishing email you click on a link it could take you to google or something you know and then you think oh okay that that link was a bit broken or whatever Mm -hmm. but you might click on the link have no idea that anything malicious happened nothing changed at all on your screen the light won't go on on your webcam necessarily but um your machine may have been compromised and in doing so attackers could take over your microphone, your webcam. God. And, and then so, they get the live Richie podcast 24 seven exactly. <laughs> live from his room. <laughs> so we saw that happen actually with Miss Teen America um, oh, really? a few years ago. Um, and she was in the middle of the competition and, um, Without her knowing, her machine was taken over and then an attacker sent her, I think, naked images of herself saying, no we've got these images and tried to extort money out of her, I believe. Oh my um, so she was amazing. She went to the police, yeah. um, even though, you know, um, that potentially reputationally could have damaged course, her. But she yeah. went to the police and in the end, that guy was caught. He was found, he was apprehended, he was sent to prison. And he had done that to a few um, teenage girls and oh young women God. in America. Um, so it's gross. Yeah. Some stuff like that is really gross. So, yeah, be careful of the links you click on. But very straightforwardly, just keep your webcam covered. I yeah. have a sticker over mine or you can get things you know, yeah, to yeah. go over to protect them. And also remember that your phone is a device too. Right. So... Being careful, a lot of people use their phone like when they're sat on the toilet or whatever. So being aware that, of course, you have a camera on there and it's kind of harder to cover that camera up because you want to take photos a lot. I just keep mine in a velvet bag (laughs) all the time. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, Yeah. it's just taking simple steps like that. Okay, okay, cool. That's good to know. Um, And we'll we'll add like links and show notes to resources and and further reading and all this kind of stuff. So if you have anything as well. Yeah, I do have something on my website that's just got some like simple tips of what people can do. Yeah, we'll include that. Cool. Um, So we're nearly done, but I wanted to kind of close out the show with some stupid questions (laughs) that I was maybe less like more afraid to include in the main body of the show. But we'll just kind of tack it on to the end. And we'll we'll say, oh, it's, it's just jokes but some of it might actually be real <laughs> you know what I mean and I'm a little shy about it sure but um so could Die Hard 4.0 ever happen <laughs> I don't know if you're familiar with the plot of the fourth Die Hard movie I have watched some Die Hard but I don't think I know this yeah one. so basically uh, there's cyber terrorists who um attack everything like they, they they target like America's infrastructure so anything any kind of device that like traffic lights and uh, like the the internet goes down and planes like falling out of the sky like that whole thing like it's mass level everything Chaos, infrastructure level. yes so it would take a lot it would to take do a that lot, yeah um, and for some stuff like we did see some attacks on aircraft um, last year but when I say attacks it was kind of people who were able to get to the entertainment part of a uh, aircraft's um, system mm-hmm. actually taking over an aircraft isn't really an easy thing to do and it hasn't been proven that it can be done good and what we can say is that there is great security in a lot of things like airplanes i hope so (laughs) those people are incredibly careful with their security okay um we have seen attacks as i said like there was an attack on the sort of the infrastructure of the internet it brought down twitter and facebook and stuff like that for a lot of people in america but not planes (laughs) um 
Yeah. Okay. So good. I wouldn't. I wouldn't fret too okay, much great. about I that can one. Cross that one off. Some people would be more worried about Facebook coming down than airplanes. Though, <laughs> we touched on this one a little bit, but the Internet of Things is there a danger my fridge will be hacked? I don't have a smart fridge, but if in the future I'm in a similar situation to my TV thing and I need to get a fridge and I only have smart fridges. How can they turn that against me? <laughs> so, yeah, there is a danger that Internet of Things devices can be hacked. Uh-huh. Um, and we, you know, we've seen some great research in this area. Um, so we have seen kind of devices being taken over like kids' toys that are Internet enabled. Oh, I didn't even think um, of that. Yeah. And like CCTV cameras, like I said earlier, um, sex toys. Um, are connected to the internet? Some are, yeah, some are. Wow. Um, and can be remotely controlled. So if you think about, like, if, you're, um, if your partner lives halfway across the world... Oh, I actually know the word, the word for this. It's teledildonics. It is teledildonics. <laughs> yeah, it's the first time I've ever had a practical use for that word. <laughs> so, and so I know a couple of people who do research in this area. It's a great um, job. And, yeah, it's interesting, you know, when they have to go to a conference overseas. Yeah, and oh, it's purely for research purposes. Yeah. Purely for research purposes. But a lot of this stuff, like, it is vulnerable. Yeah. How most of this kind of thing could be used is in what's called a botnet. Mm. So it would be used as a way of taking it over and pointing kind of the traffic from that device at a website or at a server. So my fridge is hacking yes. the US government or and something. And you have no idea. <laughs> um, <we laughs> have comes and rests my fridge. <laughs> <laughs> we have seen some smart TVs or a proof of concept where smart TVs have been ransomware. So be careful of the apps you download on your TV, just yeah. like you would be on your phone, um, because potentially we're going to see more and more of that, attempts of that kind oh of activity. Oh my God, I'm just going to be walking around my home skeptical of everything, <laughs> looking at the curtains going, are you smart? I <laughs> do you have any uh like favorite like shitty hacker moments from tv shows or movies and like phrases that you hate that yeah. kind of thing um so one of the most famous like embarrassing examples um would be in a tv pro a tv program called scorpion, scorpion. i don't know if you've watched it it's no. very funny um <laughs> but there are just so many examples in that to mention like mm-hmm. Some, I think it was from Scorpion where you see like two people typing furiously on a keyboard, like at the same time, yeah. um, you see someone driving along a car, um, while a plane is taking off and then they plug their laptop into like the underside of the plane. It's the USB like, port. The <laughs> plane, sort of like, that's really not how this would happen. So yeah, there's some hilarious examples, yeah. which people in the industry love to laugh at. Yeah. Um, yeah, interestingly, I was on a plane the other day and saw someone a few rows ahead um, watching Scorpion. Really? And I knew he wasn't a hacker because he then got up and went to the toilet and he left his iPad unlocked. Oh, my God. Which you just... And you hacked him to teach him a lesson. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're always tempted in that situation to, like, leave your business card. Oh, brilliant, but I'm yeah. not sure that's a way to be trusted. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, but you see some people doing that kind of thing where they'll leave a business card or put mm-hmm. a sticker on, like, I could have hacked you. Uh, but i'm not sure fear is the best way of reaching people so i resist but i was with my partner who is a hacker and we found that quite funny that he left his ipad um, open and went to the toilet and we were on our way back from a hacker conference as well so we're like no he wasn't with us the last few days he he would not have done that um in terms of good hacking mm-hmm. um, depictions, um, Mr. Robot is I was going to ask, yeah. yeah I was it's gonna pretty ask. good. That seems like it's pretty, pretty yeah, on point. They did a lot of consultation with people in the industry mm-hmm. um, to the point where you see some in-jokes or you see some people get like name-dropped, which is quite nice. Um, 
so that's pretty good. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, though, there's always a bit of artistic license. Right. Yeah. Um, it's fun. Do you like? Yeah. Do you do you cringe at it, or do you like? Do you find that like this is just a, a, a like almost parody for you, and you you get like a genuine enjoyment out of it? Yeah, personally, I genuinely enjoy it, mm-hmm. but I'm not the most technical person. Right. <laughs> like my focus is always on the people side of this industry. So I know for more technical people, like for hackers, some of them do get really annoyed. Really, okay. that is so poorly represented, and of course, there is always the frustration that it spreads FUD, fear, uncertainty, and doubt, right. um, which is very unhelpful when it yeah. comes to cybersecurity. But in general, I just think it's kind of it's kind of funny. Yeah. But it was nice to see Mr. Robot. I haven't seen the latest series, but it was mm. nice to see that and to see them treat this subject with a bit more respect. Yeah, I, I, I've watched the first two seasons as well. I'm not fully caught up on the new one. But what I loved about it was it seemed the emphasis they put on the social engineering side yes. of it. Like they clearly prove that the writers have the knowledge base to, to like they know yes. the hacking side of things but the really interesting stuff mm-hmm. was when Remy Malik's character would just like outsmart someone yes, you know what exactly. I mean and, like by following them around or exploiting a relationship he had yeah, with them yeah absolutely yeah. or like the scene with the CD like mm-hmm. outside the workplace and oh, someone's yeah. given the CD yeah. and they go in and, pl- and put that into their machine and then yeah. that's what leads to that's compromise. the other thing you should never like if you find a USB key or whatever don't plug it in a <laughs> <laughs> free USB key because there would have been a time where I would be like, oh yeah, like yeah. when I was a Free student USB or whatever, stick. I was like, this is amazing. Yes. <laughs> and don't um, do that. The classic kind of example of that is if you're in your workplace and in the car park, there is a USB stick labeled mm. salaries and bonuses. <laughs> <laughs> Like that's just beautiful social engineering. Like, don't plug that in. Yeah, how often that that attack actually happens, I don't know. Yeah. But it's the kind of thing that pen testers would use yeah. when they're I testing. I just love the idea company. of labeling a USB key. Like that's something yes. so. It's just oh man, it's like it's like your spam headlines. <laughs> yeah. uh, uh, and then the last question before I let you go: um, What's your password? <laughs> Well, obviously, I mean, that... (laughs) Oh, it's really good. It's four. (laughs) But that does bring me to something. Whenever anyone asks that question, they will say, what's your password? Singular. Mm. You should not just have one password. Unless it's the password to your password manager. Right. Um, Do you recommend any, any good password managers? Yeah. So password managers, I... People disagree over password managers. Some people say you shouldn't like put all your eggs in one basket. And there's been some issues with a couple of bugs and stuff found in password managers. There are good ones out there, certainly, um, that people recommend, like KeyPass, Password One, LastPass. Mm-hmm. Um, and there may have been the odd bug found in them. But in general, using a password manager is much more secure yeah. than using like you know football or password <laughs> one or i love her or i hate her or you know all the things that we see have you password. seen that i love her i hate her yeah it can what? sometimes get quite dark really? all, yeah when you look at cracked passwords it's fascinating you see a lot about human psychology and people's really? passwords people people think their password is something personal for them yeah um so you will see stuff about love and hate and rape and god and sex and satan what? and yeah all in the one password all those things you just <laughs> Head into one password. That would be quite a secure password. That'd be a great password. <laughs> Mix in some special characters and some yeah. like numbers, and you've got a pretty good password. Amazing. That sounds great. Um, that's it. You passed my test by not revealing your many oh. passwords. <laughs> so he thinks. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that, that was it. That's amazing. Thank you so cool. much. We absolutely blasted you Pleasure. everything I had on my list. Uh, where can people find you? So um, on Twitter, mm-hmm. um, at Dr. Jessica Barker. Mm-hmm. I also run cyber.uk. Mm-hmm which is a blog site. Um, There's some advice on there. 
cyber.uk forward slash protect mm-hmm. as to some simple things you can do to protect yourself. And then I'm also the co-founder of Redacted Firm, mm-hmm. where we do um, all sorts of things to do with cybersecurity, the human side, as well as the technical and physical stuff. Yeah. So if any of this stuff scared you or realized like <laughs> how poor your own setup is, you know who to talk to. <laughs> Jessica, thank you so much. It's thank been fantastic. You. Thank, thank you. you. Cheers. That was amazing. That was great. That was great. I have a confession to make, Steve. Uh-huh. A confession that I didn't want to make when we were recording the interview. But this is hard for me to say. But you know when she's talking about people, um, those idiots who take pictures of their new credit cards? Yeah. Oh, no. I was one of those idiots. Is this an active credit card that people, like, are you Are you basically inviting the people who listen to the show to try and find your <laughs> credit card and, details now? Yeah. No, it was back when, uh, it was years and years ago, um, I started a, a little company with Jer, previous guest and friend of the show, and Keen Merky, and we um, we got a company credit card delivered out to us, and I was so excited because I had our company name on it, I took a picture of it, <laughs> and we had just started a company Facebook group. In my defense, I took it with, like, this macro photography app so it was really blurry but you could probably have made out all the numbers if you tried so that's why your company went bust is it that's why it went bust almost immediately <laughs> i got an angry message from jerry saying what what are you doing you should probably take that down i did it too um, i was going to say you're not you're not innocent in this either what did you do i put my home address on the <laughs> politics page <laughs> when you sent me a pack- package with professor stephen Byrne on it i was so excited that someone's recognizing my massive intellect finally <laughs> That, uh, yeah, I put it, I, I proved myself to be S-M-R-A-T <laughs> and put it right up there. Yeah. So I, both, both of these events were going through my head when, when Jessica was, uh, was, was talking about how foolish people can be. And I just didn't, I didn't, I couldn't bring myself to say it because I couldn't bear the disappointed look on her face. Uh, but no, that was great. That was, that was wonderful. Um, so yeah. the show notes are going to be packed full of, of the kind of resources that you need to not be a Steve or a Richie. Yeah. Yeah. So you should check those out. Um, what's next? Uh, yeah, we'll, we'll close up the episode like we do all, all of them, I suppose. Um, <laughs> yeah, cool. So what's keeping you sane recently? Uh, oh, fuck. What's keep, what is keeping me sane? Oh, I'm reading um, Artemis, the, um, you know, Andy, Andy Weir, was that the guy's name? The author who yes. wrote The Martian? Yes. Yeah, he came out with a new book. Uh, but this one's set on the moon, not Mars. Ooh. Yeah, uh, more futuristic, isn't it? Because I guess, like, The Martian basically could be now. If Yeah, I think it's set, it's supposed to be set, like, you know, 10 years from now kind of deal. You know, where things yeah, are like, slightly more ahead. But yeah, you're right, it, it may as well be, like, present day for all the The technology that he's using is, like... Um, if 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 the government's just got their shit together, then they could do yeah, this. That's that's basically it, actually. Yeah, it's probably yeah. less of a time thing and more of a just a an organizational thing. Yeah, uh, but the new one's really good. New one's really good. Do you remember? Do you remember like all the the space movies from like two thousand and one, Space Odyssey, and all those ones mm-hmm. from the sixties and stuff, where they just like took it as a given that we were going to be flying around in space cars by the time we got to like ten years before where we are now? Oh yeah, like Blade Runner is set a little over a year from now, so we've got a long yeah. way to go before we get the replicants. But I don't think that they were necessarily so naive to think that they were going to do that because the amount of money and resources that we were pumping into this technology at the time. Yeah. If they had kept on doing that, then maybe we would have actually got there as opposed to like going, ah, no, like the moon, we've been there. Yeah. What else is there? I think what happened, what scared people off was that time Matt Damon got trapped on Mars and people are like, well, we don't want to lose any more of our A-list celebrities to space. So we stopped the space program. Have you seen the article that calculates how much money the US government has spent in movies trying to rescue Matt Damon from things? <laughs> no. Because you know Saving Private Ryan? Like, spoiler guys, but Matt Damon is Private Ryan and they have to go save him in World War II. Yeah. 
And then, sorry, another spoiler, but this is, you know, <laughs> by now you should have watched it, but Inception, is it Inception? No, the other one, uh, Interstellar, yeah. where they go and rescue Matt Damon from an ice planet. <laughs> oh, yeah. And then The Martian, where they have to go and rescue Matt Damon from Mars. <laughs> oh, poor Matt Damon's always getting himself into a pickle. I know, but the US government in these movies have had to spend trillions and trillions of dollars <laughs> and gold and resource and treasure and lives to save Matt Damon. I mean, he's worth it, so it's fine. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. He is worth it. It's not like we're going to send like Ben Affleck or something. Fuck that guy. Fuck that guy. <laughs> real, ben Affleck was the Martian. Guy. They'd be like, okay, what's Leave next? Him. <laughs> Leave him. Can we send his brother up there after him? <laughs> Freaking shithead brother. Let's just make it an Affleck colony and leave them there. <laughs> Uh, so what's keeping you sane? Um, mine's also book related. So I am a huge fan of Terry Pratchett, the yes. late, great author. Um, I've been reading him since I was a teenager. Uh, mm-hmm. No other author has influenced me more in terms mm-hmm. of the way I think and see the mm-hmm. world. Mm-hmm. I went to go visit his hometown, Salisbury in England, and see a lovely little exhibition they have going on there. Oh, um, how was called that? Uh, Imaginarium in his world. It was really good. It was really good. It was like like it's a quirky little museum that they have in the town, mm-hmm. and it's really nice. Um, the curators are really nice and cool. They understand that all these nerds are making these pilgrimages to come there, so they're really happy and they they tell you all about what's going on and they ask you questions and they encourage you mm-hmm. to like leave a note for the family at the end about Aww. how you felt doing it. So That's yeah, I did sweet. all that. And as I was doing it, um, I've been holding off on reading his his last novel because mm. I guess whenever I would finally finish it, the idea of him being finished as well would be complete so yeah, I was oh, like Steve. okay this is this is a good enough reason to go read that book and I read it and it was it was okay <laughs> unfortunately <laughs> like <laughs> it w- sorry this is just such a sweet sweet like a rich yeah. tapestry you're weaving of emotion and then it, just to end on a meh yeah but I mean like I, I kind of knew that was another reason I was going to hold back because I kind of figured that the book wouldn't be great because they admitted in the uh, in the museum experience his assistant Rob who worked with him like really closely as, as he was um getting sicker and sicker. For those that don't know, Terry had Alzheimer's for like the last uh, seven or eight years of his life and that's what he died from. Yeah, um, tragic. He didn't really get to finish the book so you could say it's like 75% finished in terms of like editing and fixing it up and stuff. Yeah. Yeah, it's and not a true representation of his like his wit and his, his yeah, amazing well, talent and stuff. Actually, that's all there but like the plot structure is a little bit all over the place. Like you have this like mention of a character that obviously they're setting it up to be super important but then they forget mm. to mention it again. Ah, yeah, or like obviously he'd like okay I need to go back and either fix this or take it out or make it bigger yeah. but yeah it was still it was fine and the best thing about it though is that like I realised oh no wait it's not over I can go and read all those other books again he has such a large body of work huge absolutely massive like it is like he built the disc world and it truly is a whole world yeah there's so much stuff there you can constantly just go back and revisit and revisit and even like even other stuff other ways it's living on like Good Omens yeah. which is my favourite book that you introduced me to that he co-wrote with Neil Gaiman that's been turned into a TV series right now and that yes. looks amazing <laughs> he's yeah couldn't recommend him enough I know you put me on to him and I've, I've loved every I haven't read nearly as much as you but everything I've touched I've loved cool so is that it what else do we do here? I'm trying uh, to remember. Let's give a listener shout out. Let's give a listener to, shout out. To Daria. So Daria contacted us back uh, at the start of December and she just wanted to let us know that she uh, stumbled across our podcast through either one of the recommendations from the lovely people that give them for us or she just randomly stumbled. She didn't specify. But mm-hmm. she said she loved it so much that she listened to all the back catalogues. So that Aww. really, that warms our hearts. And is she okay? <laughs> <laughs> is she well, she right? didn't answer back after I said, oh, thanks. So maybe she's... Maybe she succumbed to the to the insanity of what I am. So, what's your favorite thing about Daria? Um, I especially like that she is an expert on the Wright brothers. You know the guys that invented the first airplane. Uh huh. 
she knows everything about them. She knows what they had for breakfast every single day of the year that they were inventing the plane. What were, what, were, what did they have for breakfast? You have to ask Daria. <laughs> okay, we'll, we'll tweet at her. Yeah. I'll tweet her after this. I love that she was a former KGB spy. Oh, shit. Yeah, yeah. She was trained to be one of their elite. Uh, but then she got a little bit disenfranchised with everything. And uh, now she fights with the Avengers, I think, if, if I'm correct in who I'm thinking. Yeah, I'm sure it's the same person. I'm, sure, I'm pretty sure. But if you want a similarly ridiculous shout out on the show, um, what can the people do, Steve? Uh, contact us enough to <laughs> to make us recognize you. Yeah. And how can they do that? On Twitter, uh, mm-hmm. at What I'm Politics. On Facebook, at the politi- What I'm Politics like page. At uh, the Gmail, at what I'm politics at gmail.com it's all that it's all what I'm politics uh, yeah like if you just go to your internet device of choice and put in what I'm politics it'll come up we have a lovely website that we forget to mention all the time that you mm-hmm. built with mm-hmm. your your sweat blood and tears mm-hmm. mostly tears mostly, <laughs> mostly tears and other bodily fluids that we won't mention oh oh god <laughs> okay Richie uh, that's me done promoting the show <laughs> and hosting it forever <laughs> are we done okay All right. Bye, Steve. Oh, God. Bye, Richie. Why are we ending on this? Okay, fine. (laughs) I'm hanging up now.